0: Hello, I am your host, Tabari McCoy, and welcome to A Tight 45. A Tight 45 is brought to you by Everybody's Records. Located at 6106 Montgomery Road in the Pleasant Ridge neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, Everybody's Records has been independently slinging music for 42 years. Swing in and dive into a deep catalog of music including vinyl, or bring in your own CDs or LPs for cash or trade. Listening in from out of town? Be sure to check out their website at www.everybodysrecords.com. and gentlemen, it is I, Tabari McCoy, welcoming you to this episode of A Tight 45. On today's program, I have the pleasure of speaking with a man who is already in the College Football Hall of Fame. And if you ask most Bengals fans, given everything that he's done, he might as well be in Canton, Ohio, immortalized forever as well. Former, as I said, Cincinnati Bengal, former Cincinnati City Councilman, among other honors. Mr. Reggie Williams is on the show today, and we have a very nice, uh, introspective, honest conversation uh, about the NFL, both past and present, uh, about a little bit of politics, and uh, yeah, it's just a good interview. That's why I'm glad he was nice enough to take time out of his schedule to do the show. It's always funny when you get to talk to somebody that you watched as a kid, as an adult, um, especially if they didn't know you as a kid, so they won't be like, oh, you're all grown up, because that's awkward. It's awkward when people do that in real life. It's like, hey, you used to be not tall and not an adult. And now you're taller and an adult. And I'd be like, well, in theory, because uh, I still don't feel that tall at all. And Lord knows that there are plenty of days that I do not act like an adult, even when I need to. Um, so there is that. Uh, before I forget, want to let you know, this weekend, I have the pleasure of returning to the skyline comedy club in appleton wisconsin uh i'm serious wisconsin home to three of the best comedy clubs in the country two of which still book me uh hoping to get back in that other one here soon enough of course but uh yeah it's gonna be a good time i'm gonna be featuring for miss mary Razinski. Uh, I'm hoping I'm saying her last name right, but since I don't have to bring her to the stage, I'm gonna let the MC handle that and not worry about my mispronunciations until later. So there is that. Uh, yeah, man. Say what you want about the cheese. Say what you want about Brett Favre. Seriously. I should have asked Reggie about that. Say what you want about Brett Favre. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to heading back to the home of the cheese curds. Where Culver's and Noodles and Company, two of my favorite places that I go to because I can't cook, uh, are there. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. So if you're going to be anywhere near Appleton, Wisconsin, if you might be passing through Green Bay, come on by. Laugh a little bit. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. It's going to be fun. Got to do some other fun things today. Uh, There was a photo shoot. Uh, You will find out what for soon enough. But as of right now, mind your business. You don't need to know yet. Uh, So that was on the horizon. Um, Had a good time. Almost forgot. Had a good time in Indianapolis this past Friday. Got to close out one of the Don't Tell comedy shows. uh, Sold out. uh, And people didn't know who was going to be on the bill. So I'm assuming they were coming just because they figured it would be some quality stand-up. Because outside of Reggie Miller... Uh, I don't really know who would be if they could expect famous enough to just drop in on a Friday in Indianapolis. So uh wanna shout out the crowd that came out. Uh one young lady Megan, uh, thank you. Uh wanna thank you for coming out as well. Um had a good time, man. Um, this intro right now is just me like plugging stuff and talking about stuff, but trying not to get too deep uh into anything controversial. Um, because, you know, I, I have Mr. Williams on the show and he didn't sign up for that. Although, if you pay any attention to the news, let's just say a certain individual has now asked the Supreme Court to get involved in stopping another department of the government from doing its job. You know, it's really hard not to talk about that dude. I have a joke I do on my act because I'm not what you would quote-unquote call a political comic, but these headlines, it's just never stopping. It's just not stopping. When is this going to stop with this ridiculous amount of headlines? And then of course, as soon as I finished my interview last night with Mr. Williams, uh, Herschel Walker, uh, what can you say? Uh, I can say a lot. I'll save it out of respect to Mr. Williams for another day um yo Herschel man, uh, I'm just gonna say this, uh, maybe you should go spend some time at home with the family, get those things straightened out. I'm just gonna throw that out there. You do with that information what you will um I met Herschel Walker once, and so I'm gonna say about that. You know, when I have certain guests on my show, I've come to realize that there's a lot of things I don't say out of respect to them because I ain't trying to get them in trouble. They're not quote-unquote controversial figures or whatever else, but these midterm elections, please save us from ourselves. Please. It is just, I don't know how y'all feel, but I'm worn out. I know this much. Uh, let's focus on something that needs attention. The hurricane victims, you know, I'm not a fan of Ron DeSantis. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the man's response or setup to this whole situation. Once again, because there's too much one can say about it. Ain't none of it. Good. Ain't none of it. Good. None of it is good. But if you got an extra dollar, try and get some money down to the, uh, to the people down in Florida. I know they need it. I know they need to the help and support. Yeah. So just do that if you could. That'd be nice. I mean, I could talk about Kanye West. I could do that. I could talk about what he wore to whatever that fashion show is that I wasn't going to because I'm not affording the plane ticket. Nor would I really want to go that far to look at some terrible clothes that nobody wears. Has anybody ever seen anybody buy anything that was on a fashion show? Has anyone been like, here's like the New York fashion show. And then like six months later, you actually saw somebody wearing it. It feels like fashion, the point of a fashion show is just to see how ridiculous you can get and how close you can get to being absolutely nude without being nude, because that's it. I haven't seen anything from the Paris fashion show at Macy's, okay? Y'all thought I was going to say The Gap? I don't shop at The Gap, what I look like. But yeah, man, ridiculous. Kanye ain't been right since his mama passed, and that's all I'm going to say about it, and I'm going to leave it alone. I'm happy that I was able to sell the one pair of Yeezys that I had because I I bought a pair. I said, I heard they comfy. I said, maybe I'll rock them. I'd always wanted those zebra ones just because they were so different and black and white and red. will go with a lot of stuff, but I never got those. So I'm happy I was able to unload the other ones. Almost got my full money on them. I took a little bit of a hit, a little bit of an L, but nowhere near the L that Kanye is taking, even though he don't realize it. And then, of course, there was other NFL news. This was a big NFL week. I just realized between Herschel, uh, go, go with his goings on, uh, and then Tua a situation. We talk about that, uh, on this episode. Uh, and then Tom Brady and Giselle have apparently hired divorce lawyers. Uh, Giselle, I'm here. Um, uh, I can talk to you. Uh, I'm, I'm more than willing to be an ear for you to, uh, to listen to, uh, I'm sorry, an ear to listen to you rather. I'm sure you don't need anybody talking at you right now, um, uh, I'm here, girl. I'm here. So hit your boy up. Come to Wisconsin. Packers are there. And Aaron Rodgers already got a girlfriend. We'll go out. We'll get some cheese curds. We can walk by Lake Mendota or Lake Monona. Maybe we'll go over, Uh, go down to Milwaukee and walk ba- Walk past the, uh, the Fonzie statue. It's not a Henry Winkler statue. It's a Fonzie statue. Know the difference. Know the ledge. That was a reference to Eric being Rock Him. actually just Rock Him from the Juice soundtrack. I miss movies in the 90s coming out with hip-hop soundtracks. I need a good actually, it ain't even gotta be that good. Hopefully, this Black Panther soundtrack will be on point, and hopefully the new Black Panther movie will be on point. High hopes. High hopes. And on that note, coming up after the musical break, check out my interview. With Reggie Williams on this episode of Tight Forty Five. show. Joining me at this time is a man who has led a rather extraordinary life uh, in many different avenues. He is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He was the third round draft pick of my hometown, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, in 1976, which makes me a little uh, feel a little old because I was born in 77. But I'm not going to talk about anybody's age because I'm old enough as it is. And Lord knows that if I see another year, I'm always happy when that happens. He was also uh the sports illustrated sports person of the year in 1987 played in two super bowls with the Bengals. also served on cincinnati city council as a bit of a renaissance man he has uh gone on to do many different things which we'll get into shortly joining me at this time the one
1: and only mr reggie williams how are you today sir tapari i'm doing very well thank you thanks for inviting me onto your show i love looking forward to the conversation
0: Well, thank you, sir. I always try to have conversations with good people and interesting people, and you know, you happen to fit both, so that made it work itself out. You know, good. I'm
1: appreciative of being here and coming off the Cincinnati Bengals' big win. So, and everyone else in the division losing. uh, You know, this is uh, prophetic for us to be speaking today.
0: Yes, you know, I'm glad we're speaking after a win because, you know, it's always rough when when your team loses. And you played uh, your career with the Bengals uh, pretty much. uh, Was it it the entire career, sir?
1: Yes, I played all 14 years for the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: Yes, you know, and uh, I was just curious because you've played in not one but two Super Bowls. uh, And that's something that so many of us will never, ever get to experience. What is the best, and, I, and I'm not going to ask you about the worst because, you know, I, I've looked at history books and I know how those games turned out, but what is the best thing about playing in a Super Bowl?
1: Well, I think it recognizes a season well played. Uh, and that goes from the coaching staff uh, to the players, to the fans, to all of the different circumstances in a season. It's always a long season. There's always ups and downs. You have to weather the storms and you have to you know, weather the injuries and all of the different impacts that has. So uh, when you get to the Super Bowl, um, certainly it's a reward uh, because of all the hype and all of the media attention. But, you know, the big reward is winning it, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, having played in two Super Bowls that were well played But uh, we ended up losing in the final seconds. And then to watch the Bengals uh, battle uh, to Super Bowl 56 and and lose in the final uh, seconds, it's heart-rendering, you know, uh, how uh, it's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. And so that's why I'm really, really rooting for this Cincinnati Bengals uh, team so that uh, those who are still on it, Those who still have the taste of defeat in their mouth, that they can very soon eradicate that by getting back to the Super Bowl and this time winning it for all of us.
0: Yes. I, I I swear that if the Bengals win, I don't know what I would do with myself because I, I always tell people I'm a fan of multiple sports teams. In baseball, my teams are, of course, the Reds, but also the Seattle Mariners and the Chicago Cubs. I've seen the Cubs win the World Series. The Mariners just made the playoffs in football. I'm a Bengals fan first and foremost, but also an Eagles fan and a Seattle Seahawks fan. I got to watch... Both of them uh, win titles Uh, in the NBA. I'm an Atlanta Hawks fan, so I'm just not holding my breath on that one. But I also (laughs) like the Milwaukee Bucks. So thank you, Giannis, uh, for making that happen. And it's hard not to like Steph Curry, especially if you're anybody that's not a really tall guy, because he's out there representing for the shorter individuals like myself. So I've always appreciated that. But if the Bengals somehow, I think I figured it out. I think we need to get in a Super Bowl where we're not playing somebody from California. I don't know what Cincinnati ever did to California. I don't know if the ratings on WKRP in Cincinnati weren't what they were supposed to be. I don't know what happened, but we just got to stay out of
1: California. No, I have to agree with you, man. In fact, in my 14 years for the Cincinnati Bengals, I played against the San Francisco 49ers six times Mm -hmm. and lost all six of them. Two Super Bowls we lost. I lost one game when O.J. Simpson had his very last 100-yard game. I lost one game where we had the ball with a four-point advantage with six seconds to go on the clock, and we were winning. And we ended up losing that game with a walk-off TD after Sam White decided not to punt. He ran the ball on fourth down. We got stopped, and uh, Joe Montana hit Jerry Rice in the end zone for a walk-off TD. So, yeah, when when, uh, it became evident that the Bengals were going to be playing another California team, I thought the very same thing, you know. We never really did good against the Rams or the Raiders. The only ones that we did very good against were the Chargers. Mm. you know we we can beat the chargers especially if it's 59 degrees below zero windchill <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: you know what I forgot about that game I mean I played baseball as a kid and as I joke about on stage you hit the ball far enough you get to walk how in the world i mean I know football people are supposed to be tough and yeah, I know you're a tough individual we'll get to how you've overcome a lot of your other things in a little bit but seriously how do you Deal with the weather when the weathermen are like, stay inside. And if people that don't know, we're talking about the infamous Ice Bowl game, uh, which I believe happened in 1982, which is, is, that, is it the coldest game recorded in NFL history or just in the top 10?
1: It's the coldest game that was played that they've adjusted a little bit of what the uh, wind chill factor is, but it's still, you know, the coldest game in uh, NFL history. You know, I'm from Flint, Michigan, so mm. I grew up. You know, playing in the cold. I went to school in New Hampshire where Darwin College is, mm-hmm. and it was even colder there. So, when we played that game, I, being a psych major, I made a determination that it would be real intimidating if I went out in the field bare armed. And that's exactly what the offensive line did. I was the only one on defense that went bare armed. But uh, I can't imagine doing that today. I mean, even in this last game in Cincinnati, where it was, you know, 50 degrees, I'm up in the uh, stands just shivering. You know, I've been living in Florida so long. My, my blood has gotten so thin. I can't imagine, you know, doing that again. But uh, that's what you are prepared to do mentally when you have a championship on the line. And that was going to be the Cincinnati Bengals first trip. Into a Super Bowl. So, yeah, hella high water. We were going to, you know, face the enemy face to face.
0: And then you got to go from that game to the Super Bowl where it was like, what, 70 degrees?
1: No, not that, that year. That year, the Super Bowl was in Detroit. Oh, the Pontiac Silverdome game. Yeah, That's right. So, it was still cold up in uh, Detroit. No one really could go out and have a good time. Everyone was, you know, stuck in their hotels and whatnot. But it still was a was a great experience, you know. Uh, I grew up in Flint, so mm-hmm. the Pontiac uh, Super Dome was mm-hmm. only, you know, a half hour, forty five minutes from where I grew up. Um, it was the first time and only time in uh, Super Bowl history that two players from the same high school played against each other in a Super Bowl. So, um, I the I played against, uh, uh, Ricky was uh, was a running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Ricky Patton
2: okay. was
1: the starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers, and I was the starting uh, linebacker. Um, we had opposite positions in high school. I was the fullback, and he was a linebacker. So uh, only one of us was going to go home uh, with a Super Bowl ring, and that was Ricky. So congratulations to him.
0: See, you're a much better man than I am because if I wouldn't be able to talk to Ricky, I wouldn't be able to see him in a high school photo if they had a high school and you're like, I ain't coming. I'd be petty to the end. So you are a much better individual than I am, sir. And I applaud you for that. that notwithstanding, as I mentioned, you know, beyond football, because I could talk to you forever about that, because, I mean, we like sports for a reason in America. There's a reason that the NFL is over 100 years old. It's kind of popular. Uh, but there's so many things I could talk to you about with that. But as I mentioned, you have um, done what so many uh, seemingly had trouble doing, excelling in life after football. And before I even got into some of the things that you've done, I was just curious, you know, what did you find to be the most challenging adjustment as you prepared for life after football and why do you think so many athletes whatever regardless of whatever sport seem to sometimes have trouble with that transition
1: you know the NFL game is all about winning the super bowl and so i never imagined uh in the 14 years that I would play that I wouldn't get that done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the hardest thing I would say for the rest of your life is reconciling that. You know, uh, you know, we have such a winning culture in America that uh, the, the second place team gets absolutely no respect and you're, you're almost uh, sneered upon. Uh, it, it took a long time You know, to really get used to how big a difference it is uh, from having an actual Super Bowl ring to having an AFC championship ring. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was one of the things that was one of the things that drove the passion by which um, I uh, dedicated everything to building uh, Disney's wide world of sports, you know, this ultimate sports paradise for kids and the whole premise was to celebrate sports in its totality that if you are you know competing Mm -hmm. for league championship at walt Disney world and you give everything you have your teammates give everything they have your fans follow you they cheer you on your coaches give you the best game plan and yet somehow at the end of 60 minutes or at the end of nine innings you lose the game you still should be happy because you're at the happiest place on earth. And that was that, that's that little dichotomy that uh, I wanted to put into everything first class about wide road of sports, that it was about the kids. And at the end of the day, the difference between winning and losing was not defined by differences between your life and someone else's life. It's just a question of who gets on the, the most exciting rides first.
0: So I understood, you know, as someone who enjoys Space Mountain, I guess I should have learned how to hit a curveball and play baseball (laughs) a little bit better. But I digress. And, you know, I mean, you kind of jumped into it right there because... Uh, You know, as I mentioned, you know, we're used to seeing athletes do, you know, commercials for whatever product after they retire, because I swear if I see Frank Thomas one more time about that (laughs) eugenics, me and Frank are going to have a talk where it's going to be, I'm sorry, because I can't beat Frank Thomas. The man is huge. I've met him. Uh, You know, we do that or a lot of guys go into commentating. But before you even, you know, retired from the uh, NFL, you and I remember this as a kid. And I remember as a kid going, I don't know any other athletes that are doing this, were a member of Cincinnati City Council. Um, I was just curious, one, how in the world did that come to fruition? Because, you know, I was a younger man at the time, but and I also like to have you tell the story. But uh, how did it come where you were on an NFL roster and also became a member of the City Council, not of a small town, but a major metropolitan city in America?
1: Well, I think it all had to do with all of the community service uh, work that I was doing in the city of Cincinnati. I had a scholarship mm-hmm. uh, to help kids go to college in every single public high school. And um, we were coming off of the uh, 1987 uh, season, mm-hmm. which in the last game against Houston, I sort of broke my face. I mean, I, I, I. I ended up breaking the orbital bone that separates your eye orbit from your sinus. So um, it was uh, it was hitting a player and his pulling guard, all because at the time we had this defensive adage that you never let a rookie score a touchdown standing up. And I had to knock uh, Mike Munchak down in order to get to hightower who is their rookie running back mm-hmm. and knock him down but in doing so i broke my face and so uh, that brings you to you know a real stark reality of the importance of institutions like hospitals okay and i i immediately was uh, you know transported to uh houston uh memorial hospital nearby. And didn't get out until the team had uh, ended up losing the game and were sitting in the bus waiting for me. Well, when I get home and it's now the Christmas holidays, I attended a uh, a uh, charity event when uh, Arnold Bortz, who was the existing city council member, uh, was at my table. And he asked me a whole bunch of questions like, what would you do in this situation? What would you do in this other situation? And because I was involved in so many different charities, I had answers. And uh, so he called me up a week or two later to say, look, I was really impressed with your responses to my questions. Uh, I have a conflict of interest because uh, he was a real estate developer and he and his brother were involved in a lot of properties and over the ride. Mm. And so there were a lot of uh, conflicts that he was running into with uh, zoning and codes and things like that. So he asked if I'd be interested in uh, taking over the remainder of his term, that I would have to run as a charterite, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, you know, agreed to a couple other scenarios, such as, you know, Bobby Stern, who was the other charter council member at the time. Uh, need to get on board and she was on board and that i committed to running for election once again the harder sell was to the cincinnati bingo organization Mm. you know uh, because it was an opportunity but it was definitely going to impact the team and the first person i went to was mike brown and mike brown was very supportive and um um he um was willing to consider it, but the one who was not immediately supportive was the head coach, Sam White, in large part because I would be missing uh, the Wednesday practice because that's when city council has their session. And uh, basically I wouldn't have a day off because um, I would have uh, city council committee meetings on Mondays and Tuesdays. And so it really was trying to manage your time, continue to work out, which was something that uh, was my forte at the time. Uh, But I also saw it as a unique challenge, something that um, uh, I I thought would um, make kids who are looking towards their own future, providing them with a a different kind of uh, role model that you you can take on the unknown and it also allowed me to get involved in so many important city issues that I was reading about in the paper or listening to on the news. Um, and when one of the uh, issues that I took on, uh, very early on was trying to, um, eliminate, uh, uh, AK 15 automatic weapons in the city of Cincinnati, because I just couldn't imagine then,
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: a gunman going into a school and doing that, and that was way before Sandy Huck, But just the horror of just imagining, mm-hmm. uh, having spent so much time in the in the, all the schools in the city of of Cincinnati, to even imagine that kind of horrific circumstance. And uh, uh, after losing that, even though you know we got to a five four vote, just lost by one person. That's the first time I start getting hate mail. Mm. You know, first time that I, you know, got called the N-word after being in Cincinnati for 13 years because I was treading on someone else's uh, territory. I, I was not staying in my lane. Mm. And, uh, and and yet I'm very proud of that effort, you know, and, and uh, you know, that's one of if there's any regret that I do have of getting out of politics is that I didn't finish that that piece of warfare that we have to be vigilant as adults, do everything in our power to protect our kids.
0: Understood. And, you know, you kind of let me into a question because I was going to ask you um, about the injuries, but I also wanted to ask you this, because as someone who was actively involved in politics while also working as a professional athlete in the last few years, especially, we have seen more of the intersection of sports and politics from Black Lives Matter and, you know, people standing up with the Brittany Griner issue, the women's reproductive rights situation. I was just curious, what are your thoughts on what many modern athletes are doing in that vein? Do you feel that a lot of athletes have a responsibility or not even if if not even a responsibility, uh, need to be more vocal for uh, communities that maybe aren't getting their voice heard since they have the attention spotlight on you? Or do you feel like, you know, maybe they should separate those things and, you know, maybe do it towards when they're getting ready to retire or maybe want to go into politics full time? I know this has become a an ongoing uh, conversation. I know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had just written something uh, this week about Kyrie Irving, which was not complimentary to Kyrie Irving. Um, and, you know, thinking about politics and All that is to say, sir, what are your thoughts on does today's athlete have either a responsibility or should they even uh, speak out about the various issues that we have in ongoing American society?
1: I think athletes definitely need to take advantage of their First Amendment right to speech. Um, My hero was Muhammad Ali. And I remember very distinctly when he refused induction into the military. Mm-hmm. uh you know for religious purposes uh that he was standing up for something that was very controversial you know and he uh started getting hated uh by a majority of white america because of that it's mad you know he's so beloved now mm-hmm. that time he was hated
2: mm-hmm. and
1: there was a there was a a meeting in cleveland where Jim Brown and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and several other NFL players all came uh, together to support Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. That kind of activism is still relevant today. What Colin Kaepernick did was extraordinary. Uh, I thought that he, you know, very appropriately uh, brought America's attention to the disparity of, uh, Abuse that uh, African Americans suffered at the hands of police. Yes, and uh, so and that still has gone on. I mean, there's been, you know, more instances, you know, uh, that have demonstrated that you know he just wasn't, uh, you know, blowing smoke. <laughs> blowing smoke. You know, there, there, there are real, legitimate, uh, centuries old mm-hmm. uh, history of divisive um, oppression by African-Americans at the hands of a a segregationist society at one point in time, and then a Jim Crow society that we've grown into. And I don't know what the name of it is now, but there's so many disparities, not only in uh, legal matters, police matters, but definitely in... Uh, economic matters job opportunities and uh even the nfl Mm -hmm. you know as popular as it is is—is having a difficult time reconciling uh african-american leadership as head coaches you know the rooney rule has not worked um it it created some change but you know all the changes have dissipated over the years Mm -hmm. so that just says to me, the activism that needs to take place needs to continue to take place.
0: Understood. And, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about injuries and whatnot, because you have had some issues with your knees, which is putting it mildly because I forget how many surgeries uh, that you have had. I know it's over 20 uh for different injuries as a result uh that have come from your playing career and now injuries in the NFL are back in the spotlight because of this past uh Thursday's game with the Dolphins here in Cincinnati and the Tua Tagli uh uh apparent everyone knew he had a concussion it looks like except for the people that made the decisions or were willing to admit it. Uh you know it's probably the safest way I can say that without having a law a lawyer knock at my door and I know I don't have the money to pay anybody. So don't come <laughs> at me. Um but uh you know, I, I mean, football is a violent game, as we all know, and we've seen so many players saying, I knew what I signed up for, and this and that, and things of that nature. Given your life experience and thinking about quality of life, and I know you've also, you know, I, there was a time you talked about being an advocate for cannabis uh, to help you with relief, and the NFL still has that on one of its banned subject lists. When it comes to the being a professional athlete and just dealing with injuries, How, if at all, do you think we can make football safer? And going along with that, you know, do we as a general public, do we have a responsibility in advocating to make the game safer for players? Or, you know, just what are your thoughts on injuries in general?
1: Well, I played in the NFL during the wild, wild west days where almost everything was legal. Uh, you could hit high, you could hit low, uh, you could um, horse collar You could definitely headhunt. You know, everybody. You know, there were no separation between quarterbacks and running backs. Um, you know, so I I knew it was a dangerous sport. Mm-hmm. Okay, and part of of my Preparation for the danger of the sport began in the preseason. Um, I basically had to harden myself up. And one of the ways I used to harden myself up when we went to training camp in Wilmington, uh, I didn't have a air conditioning or fan. I slept on the floor. Um Before games, I never had anything to eat. I would just have liquids. I wouldn't eat until after the game was won, even if it was a night game. Uh, All of that preparation, you know, was an anticipation of pain to come. How are you going to deal with pain? And you know that most pain is there's a certain physical part of it, but there's also a certain mental part of it. Uh, because the mental part is, is when you are hurt, how do you rehab to come back? How do you play with pain? How mm-hmm. do you play with injuries? And so that's part of the game. But, you know, the investment in players are such now that they've got to protect the players against themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's why the rules are important to be enforced. Uh, I had at least three NFL concussions. And one of those... I didn't even leave the game, mm. so I know it's important to protect the players from themselves. And uh, you know the referees, you know they have a tough job. Uh, but today you have better tools. You have instant replay. Play. You have slow mo. All the 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 technological things we did not have when I played. I mean, um, I would have played. I think uh, a little more carefully if I knew that I could be uh, proven right because there was slow motion or there was instant Mm -hmm. replay. And uh, you just couldn't be overruled by a referee on the field. Um, But uh, I certainly uh, recognize that uh, uh, the NFL has a a tough, tough uh, role to play and keeping the game safe enough so that kids continue to start playing the game in their youth. Mm-hmm. If kids stop playing football in their youth, then the game of football will die.
0: Understood. And you know, just to follow up on that, do you yourself have any concerns about you know CTE or anything else, especially playing linebacker? You know, I mean, because I know, and also, and I asked that to say, how has cannabis uh, helped you, and do you feel that that should be decriminalized, or at least the NFL shouldn't suspend players for use of it?
1: No, I definitely believe the NFL should study uh, the use of cannabis. Uh, There have been some studies that have shown that uh, cannabis can heal. Ah uh, brain matter. It could heal that important uh, connection between your synapses in your brains, which connect your now to your memories. Uh, so I really believe that uh, you know, part of my ongoing ability to uh, uh, communicate is mm-hmm. because I am, you know, a longtime cannabis user. Um, I I, I would love the studies to validate that. Um, My initial issue with using cannabis was it was great for pain management. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't completely eliminate the the pain, uh, but it definitely softened uh, your response to it and allowed you to sleep and things along that line. But certainly uh, I have a big concern Uh, about whether i will have cte and and how i will be able to live with it i did meet dr omalu Mm. uh, the doctor you know portrayed by william smith in the the movie concussion Mm -hmm. and he said it you know i'm a linebacker you played 14 years you have three concussions you know you definitely are going to have cte Mm. and uh that was not what i wanted to hear uh but it was what I needed to hear, perhaps, to continue to prepare for the inevitable and make sure that the consequences of having CTE are not manifested in uh, the remaining uh, lifetime that I get a chance to enjoy Earth.
0: Understood um and i have no transition from that to a softer topic but i was going to say before i forget sir if people want to uh you know follow you find out what what you're doing um cuz i know you are still involved with a lot of different activities organizations how can people find where you are and follow you on social media things of that nature
1: well obviously on facebook i'm already at my 5000 person limit so i, I can't I snuck in there i can encourage you to get in there but i have a lot of room left on instagram And I will tell you that if you're in Cincinnati, uh, this is going to be the 25th anniversary of Kelly Youth Services. I'm on the board with Kelly Youth Services. Um, That was uh, a business started by Joe Kelly, Mm -hmm. a linebacker, uh, first-round draft choice out of Washington. And he has, I think, five or six uh, group homes. Uh, They deal with uh, Kids that you know are foster kids or kids that have no role models no parents and he, more than two thousand kids mm-hmm. have gone through his group home since they started it 25 years ago and uh, so if there's a, a a charity in Cincinnati that uh, you could support that would be one that I would recommend
0: understood and um, what is your Instagram handle sir for those that may want to follow you on Instagram?
1: I think it's Reggie Williams or
0: 120.
1: Oh, okay. Not Reggie Williams, 57? Uh, 57 was taken. No. I had to... Take the lowest number that they provided. I guess there's, <laughs> there's a lot of Reggie Williams out there,
0: you know. I, I understand, you know. Well, to being Tabari and McCoy, I don't, I don't have the same struggle. I can't, I, I can't. I must say, if I'm, if I'm honest with you on that one, but uh, I digress. Um, you know, I was, say, you mentioned working for Walt Disney because um, I know that you were hired uh, to help oversee the uh, creation of the uh, Worldwide Sports Complex when you got hired uh, back in the '90s. I was just going to ask you what was uh, more exciting for you the first time you put on an nfl helmet or
1: the first time you put on a pair of mouse ears well mickey mouse was not allowed to come to the sports complex so you know in, in a large part once again it's about the kids now now, mm. now he can go to the sports complex but when we're just starting uh the sports business you wanted people to know that it wasn't a mickey mouse thing that mm. this was authentic that uh it was going to be the the finest facilities uh, the finest surfaces, the best grass, you know, uh, the, re- the best competitions. And so uh, we didn't allow Mickey or Goofy or Minnie or none of the characters to really go to the sports complex. We wanted the heroes, the superheroes to be the kids, the people who competed. They were the stars of the show, and they weren't going to be overshadowed by costume characters. Just like you wouldn't have uh, the mascots Mm -hmm. of a team uh, be more popular than the players of the team. Uh, That's one thing that I can say is still true in all of sports uh, that I, I don't know of a single mascot that's more important than their players.
0: I understand. You know, I was going to ask you, what is the one thing you missed? I know you were here recently for the uh, most recent Ring of Honor uh, inductions, but what is the one thing that you missed the most about Cincinnati not being here all the time?
1: Oh, Cincinnati has some great restaurants. I mean, there are a variety of uh, places that uh, would be uh, on my list of gold. The precinct being, you know, one, the boathouse being another. I have to admit, I'm not a skyline uh, chili kind of person. I'm not into cinnamon in my chili, but uh, there are a bunch of great restaurants. There's a bunch of great refs. There's a a lot, there's a uh, institution of hospitality Mm -hmm. uh, in the restaurant business that, uh, you know, goes throughout the whole city. So that's one of the things uh, that I would miss. I mean, it's a beautiful city. They've done a great uh, job with, uh, you know, uh, the architecture with uh, down at the banks and uh, over the Rhine. So uh, Cincinnati is a beautiful city. It's, it's uh, you know, a gem of a place that uh, uh, too many people don't know about. And uh, that's another reason why uh, the Bengals need to bring a championship home to Cincinnati, just like the Cincinnati Reds have done.
0: I understand. Well, I was going to say, I got to ask you this. Who's your pick to win the Super Bowl this year?
1: I'm a Cincinnati Bingo fan. I think that they're going to come back and uh, prove everyone uh, wrong for doubting them after an 0-2 start. But, you know, it's a long season. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I never played a 17-game season. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Eagles, who are the only undefeated team, how they continue to play this season. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get out of the blocks too fast, you know, you stumble along the line. But, you know, I like the confidence uh, and the leadership of Joe Burrow. I like the way our defense is playing thus far. And I like the fact that we haven't put all of the ingredients of the team together on the field yet. Even in the first two games, Joe Burrow was coming off an appendectomy.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a
1: tough, tough injury to come out. Uh, come up after. I had uh, an uh, appendectomy uh, explode uh, during uh, my last uh, off offseason uh, in uh, preseason camp. So I know uh, how tough it is on maintaining your strength. But it seems like he's recovered now. And the rest of the team, the offensive line, is playing much better. And uh, so I'm just looking forward to uh, the Bengals uh, finishing Uh, this season the way they wanted to finish last season
0: understood and that it sounds like a good place for me to stop so for my guest Mr. Reggie Williams I am Tabari McCoy thanking you for listening to this episode of a tight 45. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Reggie Williams on this episode of A Tight 45. Be sure to follow him, check him out on the internet, if you will. Uh, Hopefully, he may be at a speaking engagement or somewhere near you, and uh, you have a chance to meet him, just a humble, down-to-earth person, which is why I wanted to have him on the show. I try to do that every once in a while, to have on those positive people, because as I mentioned at the top of the show, the world itself is absolutely out of its mind, and you got to have those people on to put the balance out there every once in a while. Of course, if you haven't already, get your tickets. This weekend, I am in Appleton, Wisconsin at the illustrious Skyline Comedy Club. The weekend after that, I am in the suburbs of Indianapolis at in Brownsburg, Indiana. Uh, I am headlining a show with the hilarious Tennant McDonald and David Brooks. Uh, it's going to be a show. I hope that anybody that comes out to that VFW uh, that we're going to be at is going to be ready because, oh, it's on. Uh, That's going to be a a killer lineup right there. Then uh, I have the next weekend off for now because something could jump off. And then uh, the big deal, October 27th through Sunday, October 30th, Go Bananas Comedy Club, Cincinnati, Ohio, album number three, special number one, working on some things to make that very special and uh yeah if you be so kind if you're gonna be anywhere near the Cincinnati area I would love to see you there so come on out support your boy it's gonna be good I wouldn't lie to you and even if I would lie to you I still got to back it up so it's gonna be good so there's that all right I think it's about that time as that smooth R&B track begins to kick in in the background that I bid you adieu and thank you for listening to this episode of A Tight Forty-Five.